Hello, and welcome to the Webtoon Room. I'm Will. And I'm Crudy. And today, we're going to do our usual talk of a webtoon we love in the bleak midwinter. <laughs> we have been waiting a long time to talk about in the bleak midwinter. We really have, actually. We've mentioned it before in a What We're Reading episode, but we've never mm -hmm. like gone into detail. Mm -hmm. And we're really excited to talk about it because it just had its season one finale. And there's a lot to go into. Yes, there is. Let's do this thing. It's so funny to be like recording a podcast about In the Bleak Midwinter just because I feel like you and I have logged hours already talking about this, but it's literally just been conversations between the two of us. Yeah, we've talked about In the Bleak Midwinter a lot, pretty much <laughs> since nearly the beginning. I think we started reading around chapter 12 or 11, somewhere around there. Yeah, I think it was chapter 12, and you and I read the beginning, and we were like, okay, this is interesting. And I think it's consistently been one of those webtoons that, because you and I read a lot of webtoons, but we don't always keep up with all of the webtoons on a weekly basis. But In the Bleak Midwinter has been one of those webtoons that every single week we rush to read it, and afterwards we're like, did you read the latest In the Bleak Midwinter? And then we always find some kind of time to like talk about what happened and what it means and where it's going oh yeah so much so to the point that we have spent a lot of time theorizing and being <laughs> like oh but what does this mean and when this character did this that was the significance of this and the conversations just kind of go on and on but uh yeah it is a little strange to talk about it in an episode because we've talked about it so much already I know. It's <laughs> I'm excited though because we'll finally get to share our thoughts and opinions with everybody um because it's as we said just so far been the two of us that it'll be really cool to just actually like talk about it on the podcast finally, put out an episode and just be able to have that out there cuz you're right, we did talk about it in the November what we're reading and we just, you know, our what we're reading episodes are pretty um just slim on details by design because we don't want to give away too much info. We want people to read the webtoons for themselves if they are interested. But there's so much more that we can say about In the Bleak Midwinter that is this, ooh, is this going to be fun. Yeah. And of course, if it isn't obvious yet, spoiler warning for all of season one. Please turn back if you do not want to be spoiled. But if you're like us and you're really into this series, then go right ahead. Join us in our fandom squealing. I don't know if it's actually going to be fandom squealing, but join us on our trip to the world of In the Bleak Midwinter. Let's just start off right at the beginning. We'll get to the finale later. Don't worry. Hold on to your hats. But In the Bleak Midwinter starts off with Anya learning about soulmates, which is one of the main themes of the entire webtoon. And it carries through all the way for this season. And she learns about soulmates and also, as an adult, has to deal with her sister's death. 
Yeah, there's a lot of solid setup in the very beginning uh, with themes and emotions that carry through to the rest of the webtoon. Like Anya's guilt at her sister's death, which we don't know exactly what happened, but she feels that she has a part to play or that she was the cause of her sister's passing. And we know from the very first episode that she's really protective, that she really loves her sister. And that carries through all the way to like the series finale, as well as, you know, like you mentioned, that setup of fate and destiny and that conversation between Anya and her mother. It really just is that building block for the whole conflict that and and the setup of Anya and Omega's relationship and as well as some of the tensions that Anya has with Ivan, who, you know, will get into his thing, but there's ideology clashes. It's very well set up in the beginning, and you're absolutely right. It is also the catalyst for what gets the story started and, you know, what really sends Anya into the dreamscape. Yeah, as you said, a lot of the themes set up here carry over for the entire series, and the ideologies definitely clash in very interesting ways as the webtoon goes on. Anya is the catalyst for a lot of these events, and she is also the central mystery of the webtoon. We learn pretty quickly, like within the first, I think, 10 chapters, even less than actually, that Anya's trip to the dreamscape or through the dreamscape, it was set to be, I believe, for a year or six months. I can't exactly remember. But she wakes up and it's still she's in the middle of it still. So it's she wasn't intended to wake up. But when she wakes up, she finds out that it has been 25 years. So there's that mystery of what happened, why did she stay in so long, and we also learn that she has the capability to come back to life after she has been shot, after she dies, is killed. And even in this world with androids and robots and all of these things, even in the sci-fi world, that is not a normal thing. That humans are able to do. So yeah, there's very legitimate questions of like, what is going on? What is happening with Anya? Yeah, we learned this in a very shocking way too. Uh, when I first read this webtoon, my jaw dropped to the floor when I got to the end of chapter three. I think maybe yours did too, Critty. I was a little bit like, oh my god, they went there. <laughs> Holy crap. They <laughs> they did the thing. They went there. And yeah, it definitely made In the Bleak Midwinter so much more interesting for me because it's like, okay, we have writers who are not afraid to go there with their characters and with their story. Yeah. And what made it more shocking too for me was it was just very explicit. In that mm. scene, at least, it was not immediately clear that people like were like fake death. No, 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 no. Like we see Anya get shot in the head, and we see blood coming out. Like we just see everything. Yes. Oh my god. Yeah. No. <laughs> Ali did not hold back with these images. Uh, you're absolutely right. That was the other shocking component of it because it's not like she had a clean bullet hole through her head. You know what I mean? Um, no. It was messy. It was gory. There was blood, and we just saw our main character die. By, we, we saw our main character get killed by her main love interest or the other main character. <laughs> Is it love interest? Are soulmates I, meant to be love interests? Yeah, I don't know. No, it's a good question. I have no idea. And that, I guess that's the other mystery of like, what is 
the relationship between Anya and Omega and what just the entire mystery of what and who is Omega. Yeah, that's a great point. We kind of learn we we do learn a little bit more later in this season as like the nature of Omega and how they're like the 10 are part human, but we still don't know everything. Uh, season two, when we're waiting with bated breath, by the way, um, please send help. <laughs> yeah. But there's still a lot we just don't know. Yeah, there are so many question marks that are still yet to be addressed. We received some answers, including maybe kind of an answer to Anya's regeneration capabilities, but it's the kind of answer that automatically brings up more questions. So, and we'll get into all of that, you know, towards the end when we discuss the finale. And actually, um, to make it easier on you guys, we'll try and leave a timestamp when we start to talk about the finale. So if you want to go straight to the finale, you can check the description. But getting back to Anya's sudden introduction to a very different world than she left. Because when she left, androids and robots, they were starting to be integrated into uh, the main kind of human society. And they were friendly. So she had these expectations of robots from how her world used to be. And then she enters into a very different world. It's war. It's a war zone is basically what it is. And it's set up to be some kind of a post-apocalyptic world as well. And she's being chased and threatened by different people, different groups of people. And she doesn't understand what is happening. She's very much just like, you know, not to mention she's just been shot in the head too and come back to life. So there's I can't imagine the amount of confusion your brain would go through after that event alone, but there's so much going on in those chapters, and Anya is struggling to find a footing. Yeah, she is very much a passenger in a lot of the events that happen around her. She doesn't have much say because she just doesn't have, you're right, as you said, she doesn't have any footing at all anywhere. She does run into her brother, Alexei, but he is a completely different man when they meet again. Is he that different, though? I don't know. I, okay, explain that, because I, I think I have a little bit more cynical take of Alexei than you do. I think Alexei had a little bit of a softness before the time skip, and he shows this just a little bit when Anya shows up to their sister's funeral, where even though he's a little rough, he still offers her some space and some support, and he's not completely devoid of his humanity. But after the time skip, during the war, he is a completely different and much more hard and harsh person. I mean, he straight up murders his sister in cold blood. So, yeah, I would say that uh, he's been desensitized a little bit. Just a little. Yeah. Um, if it wasn't enough for Anya to have been murdered in cold blood by her soulmate, she goes to her brother, who feigns some sort of affection. Uh, but clearly has another motive because he isn't trusting of this robot person, I guess, that he assumes Anya to be because she's able to walk in the polluted air, unlike most other humans. So he shoots her in the head. To test his theory, I guess that's his choice. To, to test his theory, he shoots her in the head. War changes everything and everyone because he is paranoid at the end of the day. He does not believe that this is his sister. And he does not believe that whatever, you know, his team pulled out from that facility, that this is definitely not his sister. He, it, takes, it takes a little bit of time for him to 
uh, warm up to the idea. No pun intended. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, to be honest, though, I also think like Alexei, I think you're right. War does change people. Alexei wasn't willing to take any sort of risk. I think, though, that there are ways that different ways that he could have handled it. Anya asks Ivan, who, you know, is introduced later on, and we can we'll get to him, but she asks Ivan, who is also there, like why he tried to stop Alexei or like why he kind of like opposed Alexei doing that. And he explained his reasoning that her blood was red when she'd gotten shot earlier. Her blood was red and androids don't have red blood. My take is still that he made a very drastic decision. Uh, and I understand in war, you sometimes have to just make quick decisions. And that can be the difference between saving your life and, and death, honestly. But at the same time, I think that um, I don't have strong opinions about Alexei as a leader regardless. And we can get into that later. But yeah, anyway, <laughs> we can move on to where the story goes from here. Because Anya is basically like dragged to the underground hideout that this resistance, this underground resistance has set up. And she comes to in a jail cell. And Ivan's there. He is basically one of Alexei's second in command. I think Alexei's actual just second in command, period. Um, he's definitely up in the chain of command. But he is there. He's sort of like there to watch her and there to watch over her. And this is Anya's first encounter with someone who has a shred of humanity left. or at the very least, the kind of humanity that's a little bit more caring and compassionate, where Ivan sits down, chats with her, tells her a little bit about the situation, and she finally gets a moment to breathe. Because up until this point, she's been shot in the head, woken up from drowning, uh, she's been pursued by people shooting at her, and she's finally, finally has a moment just to breathe and take things in. Yeah, someone finally tells Anya what the heck is going on. I mean, yeah, because up until now, she's just been struggling to find footing and understand what's happening. And it's not until this conversation with Ivan that she's able to have context into the world that she's been thrust into. And, you know, I think Ivan is very much a needed presence for her in that regard. And he, you're absolutely right. He offers her a shred of like compassion, of decency, and of humanity. And he sees her for certain differently than everyone else in the underground resistance. I think there's a lot of mistrust. There's a lot of caution, understandably so, that they may place in front of like someone new. They see her as an outsider. That's what she's called in the beginning, I think, by Irina uh, or Irina. But Ivan sees her a little differently. He... He's drawn to her from the beginning, but he's also got his questions about her. It, it, she's like a problem for him to solve, it almost feels like. Yeah, for everyone else, I think they're a little bit too stuck in their paranoia. But for Ivan, he has become a little bit more centered after being in the war. And I think he's just really intrigued by Anya's presence. Because really, she is an anomaly. I mean, that's an understatement, but yeah, absolutely. She is an anomaly. He doesn't understand her. And I think that is really what we're trying to get at. He doesn't understand certain whys about Anya. Why, after all this time, you know, she regenerates. Why? And if we know anything about Ivan, especially through the course of the series, he's a very smart guy. He's a very intelligent man. 
and his brain never stops running. It's sort of like always kind of working in the background to understand things. And he figures things out pretty quickly. He's he's intuitive. But we're not quite there yet right now. I think he is also concerned beyond just figuring out Anya a little more and understanding the situation a little more. I think he definitely also just feels for her uh, about how hard it must be for her to go through everything she's had to go through. Ivan definitely has that empathy in him that we don't always see in some of the other characters in the underground um, resistance. And it's really good for Anya that he's able to do that for her because I think he does look out for her in ways that um, Alexei certainly doesn't. Yeah, uh, pardon my language here. Alexei proves himself to be a little bit of a bastard. He uses Anya as a pawn to trade with the androids for one of their, I think it was one of their captains or someone up in command as basically a hostage trade. And uh, he just kind of uses his sister as a pawn and he doesn't really care what happens to her. Yeah, and moreover, he basically puts her in the battlefield. That was kind of his intention. Like, he put her in the battlefield. He's like, you need to be a soldier. There's no other way. And I'm like, she's literally a nurse. She has skills that come directly relevant, that are directly helpful to an underground resistance, is like to be a nurse. But no, he's like, she needs to be in the battlefield. She needs to be a soldier. And Ivan's just like, hey, hold on. Wait a minute. She just went through this insane trauma and she's still, like, adjusting. This doesn't seem like the smartest idea. Yeah, it's uh, it's not great. Yeah, and this is where we start getting to the really juicy parts of Ivan and Anya's relationship, where Ivan is clearly looking out for her, but Anya also challenges a lot of Ivan's ideologies, and it gets really, really interesting. Yeah, explain a little bit more of that. Before Ivan and... Anya and the rest of the crew go out for the negotiations. Ivan has a conversation with Anya, kind of about Alexei, and about Anya's place in the world, in this new world order, rather. And afterwards, after the whole thing kind of goes awry, she has a couple more conversations with Ivan that involve a lot of quiet moments between the two of them, and they kind of get into the nature of soulmates and fate. And we learn that Ivan doesn't really believe in it. He doesn't buy into the idea of soulmates and having a faded person. And more than that, he doesn't just not believe in it. He also doesn't have a soulmate, which is kind of a cool thing because up until then, I don't know about you, I had kind of assumed that this was part of the fixture of this world that people just have soulmates. But through Ivan with this conversation, I learned that, okay, this is actually a more unique thing that some people have soulmates, other people don't. And that's kind of an interesting divide. But getting back to Ivan quickly, this is the main ideological clash that we finally get to. Because up until this point, I think Ivan has been just like this. There's been obviously more than meets the eye with him, but he's been kind of just a compassionate person to Anya. He's looked out for her. He's he's just been generally a good egg. And this is where we finally get to the root of their conflict. And see, okay, this is the kind of person Ivan is. And this is how strongly he stands up for that. And we get to see Anya. She doesn't back down in the face of that. This is what she believes in. This is what she's like staked her life on in believing. Yeah. And this tension kind of adds to the fandom's image of hot guy Ivan. I think this is a great time to talk <laughs> about it a little bit. If you want to go ahead, Curdy. 
<laughs> I hate you so much. <laughs> okay, all right. I'm going to preface this by saying all Webtoon men are most Webtoon men. I shouldn't say all, but most of them are drawn to be very attractive. They just are. It's part of their existence, and that's totally fine. I very rarely simp for Webtoon main characters uh, or male main characters just because I, I don't know, it, it's just like a separation that I feel most of the time. However, there are always exceptions and Ivan is one of my exceptions. I don't know, he just hits certain buttons for me, man. It's not even just the attractiveness or how he looks, even though I do love the swoopy red hair that is, and he's got great eyes, very beautifully drawn, Ali. 100,000% props. Very expressive eyes, too. Yeah, absolutely. It, really beautiful. I really do love how expressive they make Ivan's eyes. You can really get a window into his character. But it's really more about his personality that kind of like does it for me. It just presses certain buttons. I love how intelligent he is. He's just very capable and very competent. And um, he just handles a lot of stuff. And he knows how to move things forward. And I don't know. Yeah. He just, there you go. I'm on the Ivan Simp train. No regrets, no regrets, zero, none. All aboard the Ivan Express. Please show your tickets to the conductor up front and let's get this train out of the station. <laughs> I feel like there's plenty of us that are aboard this train. I'm very confident in saying that. I guess I should take this moment to talk about the other train that is still in the station. It's the uh, Omega Anya train. A strong ship as well. Absolutely. Yeah. When you first read In the Bleak Midwinter, Omega is the one on the cover art. He's the one who shows up and gets the cool introduction, and it's shown that he's Anya's soulmate. So you think, one might naively think that he is going to be like the main guy. And surprise, he kind of isn't. I mean, he's important, don't get me wrong, but he isn't the mainest of main guys. <laughs> Explain that a little bit more, because he obviously has an integral role to play, but I just am curious to hear more about your take on that. I'm not trying to completely understate Omega's importance to Anya and to the story. He has a very, very key and impactful and dramatic and really, frankly, really cool scene with Anya, in which they finally confront each other. This is after the hostage negotiations go wrong. They get into a scene where Anya has a gun on Omega, and they talk a little bit about the nature of the war and what humans have done. And throughout all this, you might realize this is the first time where they've been able to confront each other like this, and it's much later on in the story. It takes a while for this to happen. It does. And I think that's part of what makes it so satisfying, too, because it's set up in the very beginning, right? We see Anya. Anya sees Omega. He's kind of appearing as like a big shadow. And then we see the gun. She gets shot. And then we see Omega's face just standing over that bloody dead body. And he sees in the next episode his own marks just, you know, fade just because he has killed his soulmate. And so we see that introduction for him. And we see them kind of running in parallel lines. Anya is having her storyline with the Underground Resistance. Grey Wolf Omega is getting up to stuff with the androids. We're building up his learning about his relationship with his brother Delta a little bit. 
And you're right, it is a little bit late in the story when they finally get in a room together. And that, to me, it's just like, that's a moment. I, I remember you and I talking about this. That was a moment that you and I had been waiting for for a while. We're like, okay, I want to see this. I want to see this happen. And it's really interesting because I'm just realizing this now. We get this parallel conflicts that Anya has between her two guys, between her and Ivan and her and Omega. And they're different conflicts, but she she's at odds with both of them. And so this was so cool to just have that conversation with Omega. And he clearly cares for and considers Anya in a different way than he does other humans. He was trying to be open with her or trying to help her in some way, I think. That's how their interaction started. And it is fascinating. I'm going to be curious to see how they'll continue to interact, if it will even happen. I don't know. I'm just curious about their relationship. Yeah, me too. We definitely got really excited when they finally got into the room together. And I just want to shout out that chapter too, because there's a lot of really great small visual storytelling bits throughout the entire thing, from the framing of where the characters are in the room, to who's owning the conversation, to is Anya shaking when she's holding the gun or not. And that episode is really, really great because it ends with Anya shooting Omega. And the way they build up to that is just so, so well done. Let's actually talk a little bit about Omega by himself, I mean. We finally start to learn a bit about him towards the end of the season. We learn a little bit more about the nature of the Ten in general. We do. And especially we get to see Omega, his dynamic with his brother Delta and how Delta treats him. Because in the beginning, I mean, Delta has always been kind of a shady character. At least I personally thought he was shady. He was shady in the beginning when Anya first got into the dreamscape. Uh, his comments about it not mattering. Yeah, he's always been shady. And then we find out that he is one of the big generals in this war. And he is part of the Ten. But he also deeply cares for Omega. It's pretty clear they have that close relationship, that bond at least. So when things happen to Omega, he's very quick to find his brother, locate his brother, help his brother, anything he can do. That raises an interesting point too, by the way, in that... They're brothers. They consider themselves family. And some of the other humans are like, those inhuman androids are just here to kill us all. And here are two beings, you could say. Uh, it's hard to call them human, but they are part human that have a connection that is very human. And that kind of dichotomy is very interesting. It is interesting, especially because, you know, that's kind of the other central mystery in this webtoon. What is up with the androids? How do they run? What is up with the Ten specifically? What makes them so powerful and unkillable? And just how does everything work? Some hints have been put out there. We do know from the finale that they are half human, half android. But then there's just even the mystery of how does that happen? We don't know. It's not explained so far. And we see that that humanity in Omega specifically like after he gets attacked by this unknown group and we're jumping around a little bit in the timeline right now but basically after Anya and Omega have their confrontation they both kind of go their separate ways uh, a little bit later Omega and Delta run into this mysterious group that find a way to trap Omega and he's which is a very hard task to do because the guy is a war general and he is almost unkillable 
but they find a way to trap him and he gets trapped by this mysterious group and they basically poison him. So he's affected and his systems are affected and he has to go back to their command central, their base. And there we see that Omega has these very human memories. He has memories of people, there's colors, and ostensibly it is from when he was human. We also see Anya in there, uh, the image of Anya. So he's a part of the memories in his mind. So there's a lot of mystery surrounding who Omega is, who Delta is. And, you know, it's it's funny because Omega is a main character, but we really don't know all that much about him. We know things about him and we're starting to get hints as to who he is. But he himself is a character. He's not asserted too much of a personality yet. I don't know. Let me know your thoughts. You know, I was thinking along very similar lines where his character is not the most fleshed out. And even with a lot of these flashbacks and all this extra information, it's still not entirely clear. But we are getting more of it and we will probably get a lot more in season two. Whatever that is, at least. Yeah, I'm very excited to learn more about Omega because at this point in time, we have a pretty clear picture of who Ivan is. We don't know where he's going to go or what he's going to do or what's going to happen to him, but he has a strong identity as a character in this webtoon. And same with Anya. Anya has that too. Omega, we still have to see more of him. We've gotten some peeks and some hints into who he is and... I'm very excited to learn more about him in season two. Let's go back to Anya for a second. We talked at the beginning a lot about the guilt that she feels and the lack of space she has to breathe. But in the latter half of In the Bleak Midwinter, she really starts to come into her own. She does. She makes a very conscious decision to join Ivan on a mission. And this kind of changes her status from someone who is adjusting to this world. You know, Alexei lets her be a nurse for a little while just to give her time to adjust. They do have a bonding moment and he kind of, he does get a little bit of a heart, a little bit. And so she has that time to get used to this world, but she makes that conscious choice to step into a new one, to be an active soldier on the field. And that's kind of what Alexei states when she says that she'll accompany Ivan to bring Galena to their base, that she will no longer be a nurse now. She's going to be treated as a soldier. She makes that choice. She knows what she's getting into. And Anya has, she's a character that isn't, she's not very brash. She's not very like extroverted or, um, you know, I guess, quote unquote, traditionally badass, but she just has a lot of steely inner resolve. She has a strong resolve propelling her forward and a strong belief. You know, we've established that she has this really strong belief in fate and destiny and she just carries that, not necessarily with fate and destiny, but that's just how she operates. That's the kind of person she is. Yeah. And look at her eyes, by the way, in any of these scenes where she gets her resolve together. It's so well done how expressive her eyes are in conveying to you, the reader, how determined she is. Yeah, we saw it in the moment when she, her steely-eyed resolve kicked in when she was confronting Omega and her hand stopped shaking and then she's like, no, this is what I'm going to do. And then she shoots him. Ugh. 
great moment. I think in the beginning, we saw Anya be such a, not that she's a passive character, but she just had such a passive role in so much of like the early sections of the webtoon. And that rubs off on our perception of her character and who she is as a person. That seeing her moments, her determined moments, these moments when she does show this resolve, when she does show this competency, this capability, this determination, and this belief in her own, you know, worldview that androids and humans should not be fighting, like that there needs to be peace, that is really satisfying to read and to see that development of her character and to see her come into her own in this way because we get to see more shades of Anya come out as the story progresses. The other cool thing that I want to highlight about Anya is how compassionate of a character she is and the impact of her compassion in addition to that. In the beginning, we see a scene with a very sick patient. He's a little boy and she's a nurse taking care of him and she's trying to reassure him that everything is going to be okay. He's got blue eyes and brown hair and... After Anya goes through the dreamscape, it's revealed in a later chapter in season one that Luca, one of the members of the underground resistance that Anya gets along with and she has a good relationship with, is this boy. He was the boy that she took care of so many years ago and he got better and their reunion was so heart-touching. Like, her compassion has impact. It's this proof that the good that she believes in actually leads to good things and she's able to you know hold Luca and you know she calls him little Luca he calls her Miss Anya and it's just a beautiful moment and we see it later in the finale too her belief in like these good things and teamwork in you know believing that there's a better way it has an impact it has an impact on Ivan who we've seen is really jaded and really he's lost so much in this war except Misha he has lost almost everything and everyone to this war and it hasn't removed his humanity completely but it has impacted him and his worldview but her point of view does change him and it does change omega too and it's what leads to them being able to work together in the way that they do in the latest episodes her compassion does lead right into the finale which we should talk about because this finale was interesting it was. Tell me, tell me your thoughts on it, because a lot happened. Yeah, there's a lot to unpack. Obviously, we get the big team up between Omega, Ivan, and Anya, which was like the ooh moment of the entire finale that I don't know if everyone wanted, but now that we're here, we're definitely excited for. There's also the question of who were the people who kidnapped Ivan and Omega? What's their deal? Where did they come from? That's actually a big question I had that I was a little bit confused on, not gonna lie. Yeah, same. I am not sure who they are. It gets revealed at the end that they're imprisoned by this creepy android slash human, which makes me wonder, why are they not part of the Ten? There's some mystery there. I don't know who this group is, because they first show up when they're trying to temporarily trap Omega and basically give him that poison. He, um, I guess, is terminal, is what has been hinted at. 
I'm not really sure where these people came from. And then Ivan and Anya ran into them when they were on their mission to grab Galena. And we learn a little bit more about what their purpose is or, you know, how they're trying to approach it. They're trying to basically attack the Ten. We don't really know very much about them. Yeah, and this raises a lot of questions for what is going to happen in Season 2, actually. Because on the flip side, Anya is in captivity with Delta, which is very interesting. It is. Okay, there's a lot of interesting things that we learn in this little snippet of the finale. One is that Anya learns that she was drowning for 25 years, and that is why she's able to regenerate. Did that give her some special ability? Because remember in the beginning when we uh, see Anya come out of that chamber, she looks at other people in that chamber and it looks like their flesh has been eaten away at a little bit. So did that give her some regenerative abilities? You know, her surviving that led her to become stronger in that way? Or is it that she's been regenerating for so long because she's just been continuously drowning? I have questions. I don't know what is happening. Uh, Also, Delta knows that Anya is Omega's soulmate. Actually, everyone knows that Anya is Omega's soulmate, or Omega is Anya's soulmate. It's the worst kept secret in this webtoon, actually. Even Ivan figures it out. (laughs) That was so funny to me. It shouldn't have been funny because it was a serious moment, but when Ivan says he's your soulmate, isn't he? And Anya looks surprised. She had like her little Pikachu face. We were like, Anya, it, it was not that hard to pick up on. <laughs> it was not that hard to tell. Anya's secrets are like an open book and Delta is no stranger to reading. He's not only picked up that Anya and Omega are soulmates, but he's also looked into Anya's history a little bit, as was foreshadowed from, I think, episode one where she first encounters Delta. But the great part about them meeting in the finale is that it feels like one of those confrontations that was set up from the first episode that just feels so satisfying to finally see. It is definitely full circle. And you're right, it is so cool because, yeah, their relationship has been built up from the beginning. There's There's something of interest there. So to have them in the same room when all season they've kind of been around each other, but to have them in the same room at the end feels particularly powerful. And that leaves us with a lot of questions for the next season. Where are we going from here? What plot threads are we going to pull at? We know that the main characters are now split up, but how much of the Ivan Omega dynamic are we going to get? I know, because they're forced to work together now, which is going to be really interesting to see. They're both imprisoned, and that creepy android slash human says that they have plans for Ivan as well. They call him Bane of the South. I have no idea. What do you think, Will? I know you have a lot of theories that we have discussed separately, and I'm just curious about your take. I don't know if I'd call them theories, but I have a lot of wants and things I want to see happen, you know? I would love to see what happens with Ivan and Omega, as I mentioned earlier, but I would also like to see what kind of conversations Delta has with Anya. I think those are going to be really interesting. Because if they're anything like the conversations Anya has with Ivan, Delta and Anya are going to probably see eye to eye on a lot of things. Oh, what makes you say that? That's actually really curious because I would not have guessed that that would happen. In a weird way, I think they're both outsiders to the war, even though they're 
both directly involved in it, even though Delta's a mastermind in it. And when I say they'll see eye to eye on things, I don't think they'll agree, but they may come to the same viewpoints, even if they don't agree on them or how they got there. Yeah, that'll be really interesting to see. I'm, I'm definitely very curious about where Anya and Delta's dynamic is going to go. Um, do you have any thoughts on the ships? I know that's not necessarily a focus of this webtoon, but we haven't really talked too much about them, and I think it's worth delving into at least a little bit. Gertie, you're asking me these questions, but in reality, I really should be asking them of you. What do you think <laughs> of the Ivan, Anya, and the Anya Omega ships? <laughs> oh boy. Um, <laughs> I don't... Oh gosh, it's so hard to say. Because I think that this webtoon has built this baseline for a relationship between Anya and Omega. They are tied together purely because they are soulmates. There's no other tie that has been established. And they've really only had one scene together. That's the other thing that makes it hard. Whereas Anya and Ivan, they've had a lot of conversations. They've actually had a good amount of time to bond and build a relationship with each other. I definitely think Ivan has a soft spot for Anya. I mean, that's not a that's not a difficult stretch to make at all. He certainly has a soft spot for Anya. But I think Anya, I don't know. It's hard to guess what her feelings are. I really, I mean, I don't think she's thinking about love at all. I think she cares about Ivan. And I think she feels drawn to Omega, even though there's a lot that she doesn't understand. And she's also traumatized from Omega. That's something that becomes clear in the conversation that she and Omega have when she shoots them at the end. So really, you know, they're one for one, that couple. Anyway, I think that she feels drawn to both of these people. She certainly cares about Ivan. I mean, her reaction when he told her in the penultimate episode right before the season finale they just had a really heart-touching moment, and I know the shippers, certainly I, was very happy with all the Anya and Ivan moments in that episode. It's hard to say. I don't know exactly what is going to happen with these characters, though. That's what makes it difficult, because we're not sure what's going to happen to these characters. Omega is terminal, at least at this point in time. Something is kind of like eating away inside of him. And we don't know what may or may happen with Ivan. We don't know how Ivan is going to come out of all of this either. So it's hard to say, but I think that the bond or at least the tie for Anya between these two men has been established with both of them. What do you think? I don't think I'm as invested as you are, Kurti, in these particular ships, but I am really interested in the dynamics between these characters. As you mentioned earlier, Ivan clearly has a soft spot for Anya, and he's clearly willing to do a lot for her, and it's going to be really interesting to see what he's going to do uh, while in captivity and separated from her. On the other end of things, Omega is not quite as fleshed out, and we'll have to see more of that as we get into season two. What do you anticipate for the two of the boys in terms of them having to work together in season two? Ooh, this is the really interesting part. <laughs> yeah. We'll see. I don't know what their relationship is going to look like. I don't know if they're going to work together willingly. It might be very begrudgingly. So I am very excited for season two. I think you are too, Crudy. And we'll just have to see how that goes. Mm-hmm. That is for sure. 
I think that pretty much wraps up most of our thoughts on season one of In the Bleak Midwinter. It has been such a whirlwind ride on season one, and both of us, as we've expressed, are really excited for what is going to happen next season whenever it comes out. But thank you all for sticking around to the end of this episode to discuss one of our favorite webtoons. We're happy to have you all here. And if you want to chat with us more on In the Bleak Midwinter or any other webtoons, you can find us on Instagram and Twitter at The Webtoon Room. Feel free to DM us. And you can also email us at thewebtoonroom at gmail.com. We'll see you guys again with a new episode next week. Thanks again for listening. Bye.